Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Everybody, what's going on? Today is Wednesday. It's the 12th of February, 2020. I'm in the mobile studio. I am parked. Unfortunately, where I am parked is right by the road, so you'll probably hear occasionally cars going by, cars going in front of me, that type of stuff. Maybe even people walking by, yapping. So hopefully it won't be too distracting. Let's go ahead and get our contact info posted, and then we'll jump in with the show. I do have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. And I believe you're limited to about three minutes. Maybe not, though. I did try and do a test on it the other day. And uh, it seemed to let me go for a little bit longer. But I think three minutes would probably be about a, a safe cutoff if you're doing that. If you don't want to worry about any type of time limit, you can always send in an email or you can record your own audio, and I'll be more than happy to play that for you on the show. You get a lot better quality that way, I think. And the email address to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And mail is spelled M-A-I-L. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find buttons for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And so you can check those out if you like. If you could do me a favor, head over to the YouTube channel. And uh, if it looks like some of the stuff there, it's a little bit eclectic. I generally just, uh, when I think something might be a good idea or a good video or might you know have some information, I generally will do one. So there's lots of stuff over there from... There's some gun stuff. There's also some uh, kind of handyman or just fix-it stuff when, when I'm doing. Like I said, I've been before I've got uh, a sander. Come of my recent videos, I, I uh, kind of rehauled or re, uh, reinvigorated a sander. I did that same thing with the vacuum cleaner, all sorts of stuff. So anyway, check that thing out. Uh, and subscribe. Heck, even if you never watch the, uh, go back and watch the videos. Even, but if you subscribe, it'll help build up my base a little bit. And because there is gun content on there, maybe it will uh, send a message out to YouTube eventually that even you know the the small little channels like mine that have gun content, people are still interested in them. So. Not that I think that my channel would make any difference, but that's another, you know, that's kind of another thing. And, you know, in past shows, probably a year or so ago, a couple years ago, maybe, I don't know, we talked a lot about YouTube, but it is one of those things I think that if you, and not just my channel, obviously, but if you go and you subscribe, especially to some of the bigger channels and even some of the smaller gun channels, it I think it does send a message. Maybe the pendulum, as I've talked about in other shows, will eventually swing back to where they're not so uh, anti-gun, you know, who knows. One last bit of housekeeping, and then we'll jump in with the show. If you like this show, or even if you like my other show, The Armed Ape, there is a donation button, and uh, you can go ahead and click on that and make a donation. I would appreciate it, if you're ever inclined to do so. No pressure. And if you can't do that, or you don't want to do that, like I said, uh, 
the thing I think that would sort of help just in general, every little, every little step forward helps, go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think we're, we're up to around 80 some odd there right now. I'd like, I don't know if I'll ever get more than 100. I'd be pretty happy if we got around 100. What I'd like to do would be to get about 1,000 subscribers just in general. And then that way I think some of the, the videos are, would be um, maybe more recommended. I don't know. Uh, also, you know, they talk about monetization and you have to have something like 1,000 subscribers and I think like 4,000 hours of, of watchable, of content that's been watched. So that, you know, that doesn't mean you've got 4,000 hours of actual video content. It means that, that people are watching of all the people that are on YouTube and all the people that have watched it. You've, you've racked up a total of maybe 4,000 hours of watchable content. So, uh, or, or of time spent on your, on your videos, that type of thing. So anyway, kind of getting back to the monetization thing. Even if I only ever got, let's say, a dollar a month off of them. Well, guess what? That's a dollar that they're having to. Yeah, they're they're making money off of me, but it's also a dollar that they would be sending to a pro gun person. So anyway, enough of that kind of nonsense. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in with the show. So, what we're going to talk about today is a, I've got a little bit of feedback uh, from Warren again, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But also as a bit of a teaser, we're going to talk about what's going down in Virginia. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about what did the protest do? What message did it send them? And, uh, and we'll, we'll get into that stuff here in a second. So let's go ahead and let me pull up Warren's feedback here. And Warren writes in and he says, Tony, I just listened to your latest podcast. Thanks so much for reading my email. Have to admit, it was a bit surreal. I have had a chance to shoot my Springfield XDM 10mm. I have the 4.5 inch barrel version. It shoots really nice. Recoil is very manageable. A bit more than my 9mm XD, but not unlike my XDM 45. I purchased it with the intent to carry as a backup for hunting. I have been going back and forth between my 9 and 45 for this purpose. I saw the Paul Harrell video that you spoke about. Probably watched it five times. I almost was convinced to stick to my 45 for hunting, but found out that grizzly and buffalo boar both load a 200 grain bullet, underwood ammo loads a 220 grain, and double tap loads a 230 grain hard cast round. This along with a great Black Friday deal pushed me over the edge on my 10 millimeter purchase. I have since found out that the Springer Precision makes an extended base plate for the 10 millimeter mags, which allows for an 18 plus one in the chamber capacity, only one less than my XD9. Anyway, I'm pleased with the 10 millimeter and may go to carrying it more often than just for hunting purposes. Thanks, Warren. All right, Warren, well, thanks for sending that in. A lot of interesting stuff there. You know, in that Paul Harrell video that we had talked about on the on the other show and that you had kind of referenced there. One of the things that he sort of found out in his testing was that the 10 millimeter was better. Um, but, and he was trying to keep the, uh, 
the grains, the, the weight of the bullet, the same and everything. So he could, as much as he could, do sort of an apples-to-apples apples comparison. And what he found out was is that the 10 millimeter, uh, it was a little bit better, uh, just in pretty much in everything. And then, and that was kind of the same thing that I was thinking about is, well, what if you had, because I think he had, was the, I think the 45 that he had was a little bit heavier and the 10 millimeter was 200. I think the 45 was like either 220 or 230, something like that. And I thought, well, what if you had the a 10 millimeter, again, even going a little hotter and going a little heavier? Are you going to be that much better? Uh, and so... My conclusion at the end of the day was, well, I want to sort of take advantage of everything that I got. And if I could shoot both equally, I would probably go with the 10 millimeter, Uh, especially if the recoil and the recoil management is going to be similar to the 45. I found that generally I used to have a, what was it, the uh, F&P FN 45. I had that and that was a very... For a 45, it was a very sort of soft shooting. It felt much more like a push as opposed to a snap. Sometimes you get, if that makes sense, you can get kind of a little bit of a snap impulse feel with a 9mm as opposed, and I don't know if it would be the same with the 10, but with that 45, uh, I felt even, and I've got a, uh, a Glock 21, and I get sort of that same thing. It feels more... To me, more like a push. I guess, to be honest, though, it just sort of shoots like a Glock, even in the 45. But I think it's a little, it's a different type of impulse on the on the recoil that you get as far as feedback, at least for me. So I, you know, so when you say, "Oh, it shoots a lot more like my 45 that I have," then it kind of makes sense to me that it would it would sort of do that. So, anywho, also with the the extended base plate or the extended uh, magazines that you can get you know for hunting it doesn't especially if you're carrying a chest rig or even i guess for that matter if you've got it on your on your hip and an outside the waistband holster it's not really going to make sense if you have a little bit bigger magazine that sticks out so that it gives you and especially if you've got 19 rounds in a 10 millimeter boy i don't i think no pun intended you're sort of loaded for bear Um, and I, i had talked about before that a lot of times, even with those big revolvers, that uh, when you when you listen to the guys that are up in Alaska and have experience with uh, the grizzlies, and so with the big brown bears and stuff, and even you know some of the people always discount the black bears, but let me tell you that black bear will destroy you if for whatever reason it decided to attack you. You're not you're not going to fight that thing off if it's determined. So anyway. A lot of those guys talk about, hey, it's not that first or second shot that stops that bear. It's that fourth or fifth shot that does it. And you say, well, okay, if it's the fourth or fifth shot, you should be fine with, you know, one of the big bore revolvers. Like a, and I always get these mixed up. There's like a four six. Is it a four sixty and then a four sixty four four? And then I know there's a five hundred. You know, the big magnums, uh, even you know, even the even a forty four magnum. Uh, but especially like the big boy revolvers. But with that, you know, those things are not a joy to shoot. They they really, the recoil of that basically moves your, your, your sights are not going to stay on target. At least if somebody like me is shooting, that's just not going to happen. So 
something with that 10 millimeter, I believe, and, and, the, and the same probably with the 45, is you could train enough with it to where it's not going to, you know, you feel like, oh, you shoot 10 rounds and you're like, geez, I'm kind of done for today. Uh, so I think with that 10 millimeter, same with the 45, if you're going with hard cast and a little bit heavier uh, bullets and stuff like that, or, or a little bit harder load, excuse me, and the heavier weight, you know, so you'll get some good, some good penetration. But with that, you can also do the follow-up shot so that you can, uh, let's say if you've got that revolver, but it's, you are blasting away, but you really only get sort of two on target because your, your recoil impulse is so much. You mit, you throw like three of those, three out of the five that you got. And so it kind of gets to you type thing. Um, and I, and I understand with a creature that big, with an animal that big and that's charging you, it's probably going to get to you no matter what. But basically what you're, what you're trying to do is get that central nervous system shot. You're not going to do what they call sanguination where it bleeds out. It's going to have too much time before it'll just tear you to pieces. You know, especially if it's, if it's within, you know, 30 yards of you and it starts charging. And so what that extra capacity does for you, at least the way that I understand it, I've never been in that situation. I'm not pretending that I have been, but from looking at the people that have been, what that extra capacity does for you is it allows you more opportunities to get that central nervous system shot to either destroy the brain to where it just shuts them down or it blasts out the central nervous system to where they kind of just collapse. They can't move forward. So all that stuff to say, uh, I agree. I think probably the 10 millimeter is the best. And again, getting back to the larger capacity uh, with having the extended magazines, I don't know if I finished my point on that, is that it is a, uh, normally if you were going to carry concealed, you don't want you know, this gigantic uh, magazine sticking out of the back of the gun. But with a, uh, with a chest rig or, or with something on your side, like I said before, that's not going to matter. It's not going to be that big a deal uh, because it's probably going to be out in the open anyway. You're not going to do it. And if you do decide to use it for maybe concealed carry, uh, then you probably would not go with an extended magazine. Uh, unless you're doing something to where I don't know, you're, you're carrying it maybe during cooler months and you've got a jacket that's going to kind of stay on all the time anyway. All right, so enough of that rambling, incoherent babble that I just did. Hey, Warren, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. And uh, let me know what experiences you have if you decide that you are uh, going to use that for maybe uh, concealed carry or something like that. I assume that's what you meant when you said that you would... Uh, may go to carrying it for more than just hunting stuff. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Virginia. And I read an article the other day, and what it said was is that the House is basically passing all these bills. So you have the State House, and then you have the State Senate, and those are your legislative branches. And what's happening is they are kind of modifying some of their language, but they're still really pushing through a lot of gun control. You know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around to this here in just a second, but when you see somebody, what somebody like Bloomberg is doing, 
and he tried it a little bit in Arizona. But what he's doing is he was going for pretty pro-gun states. And if, if you think of it kind of from a, that type of a strategy, he has so much money that it doesn't he could spend a hundred million dollars in probably every state in the union and he wouldn't run out of money it wouldn't bankrupt him uh, i think he is a multi-billionaire i don't and so i don't know if he if he's uh one of these guys that his money is is um just increasing exponentially at this point <clears throat> excuse me once you get to a certain amount of wealth, it's sort of just, it's, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and so I think that's at, is, is the point where he is at. He could spend almost any amount of money and, it, and he'll make it back in a couple of years. So I think what, what he's tried to do is he's gone in, spent, in some cases, you know, two or three million, I think, is what he spent in Virginia. Not that much to make a difference. He, he, it looks like he spent just enough to kind of push it over the edge to get to flood ads, to get the name, you know, to get all the stuff out there. So, anyway, a guy like him, uh, we saw what he did in Washington. We saw what he tried to do in Oregon. What he did in Oregon. Uh, what he's tried to do in Nevada. What he's also tried to do in Arizona, it failed in Arizona. People really pushed back. And part of that is, I believe, because we, he was sort of doing that, that push at the same time. So there was a lot of publicity of, oh, Bloomberg is hitting. Because what he, what he did was he hit, I think, like Washington, Nevada, Oregon, and Arizona all at the same time. So he probably spent like total maybe $20, $30 million doing that. Which again, for him, he'll make that back probably in a couple of months. But kind of the word got out and it got squashed in Arizona. And I think it you know, got kind of squashed in a couple other places. So then he, I think what he did was he changed strategy. Instead of going after a bunch of states at once, he's looking at states that are pro-gun that maybe have a smaller majority of Republicans. And again, if, you know, if we're talking about politics, we really, realistically, there's only two parties you can talk about. And the one we're stuck with as pro-gun people is the Republican Party. So what he is doing is he's looking at what are states that are kind of pro-gun states and where they have a thinner margin of Republicans to Democrats. And if I go into that state, are those Democrats generally anti-gun? So if he were to come to Arizona, Arizona has generally more of a Republican majority. Pretty much every Democrat here in Arizona, this, this legislative go-around here, and that's something else I'll talk about here too real quick, and then we'll get back to Virginia. All the Democrats have fired, filed excuse me, tons of anti-gun stuff. Tons of it. And they do it every year. It's not like, oh, this is new, but what happens is it generally gets, it doesn't even make it out of committee, most of their stuff. It just gets squashed. But they do it every year. And if they ever got a majority, I guarantee you, that would happen here. The same thing that happened in Virginia would happen here. Well, um, I was thinking I might talk about some of the pro-gun stuff that's that's being... Well, I guess I will. It, just sort of in general, kind of what's happening out here is that... Um, let's see if I can pull up that email. All right. Uh, it looks like... 
we'll do this and then we'll get back to the kind of the, the lessons that we're sort of learning from Virginia. So this is an email that I got from Arizona Citizens Defense League. What they're saying is there's been a uh, over two dozen, so around 24 bills that have been filed to restrict or to go after us, mainly by Democrats. And most, like I said before, are stuff that's been filed year after year after year after year. Four of the bills that they have would outlaw private firearms transfer that don't go through an FFL, so basically an end of, of uh, private sales. There are three red flag bills that are, you know, again, are confiscation bills. Uh, unfortunately, our governor out here, Ducey, is a red flag guy. He's a proponent of that. There's also a bump stock ban and assault weapons ban. And then there's also uh, what, what I'd call like a medical gun bill. And what that does is it's basically requiring doctors and pretty much any healthcare people to talk to you about the risks of owning guns. Uh, so most of those will will almost certainly be defeated. Uh, so let's see here. Let's talk about some of the pro stuff. There's a bill that it's, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, it basically says that if there's anything that the federal government, through treaty or through law or through anything else that violates your Second Amendment right, that the state of Arizona wouldn't do it and that it would be illegal for any government agency in Arizona to use money or to use force to go ahead and do that. There's also kind of what they call a public accommodation bill, which pretty much means that you could go into, you could go into, um, unless prohibited by, uh, let's say like a church or any other type of public building, unless the owner of that building or their, you know, agents, which means like probably the managers or something like that, unless they, they said no guns that you could go in. So things like museums, things like, and then most of those places are pretty liberal anyway, so they would probably put up the signs that says no guns, but basically it wouldn't, it wouldn't make it illegal so that uh, there's not just like a blanket ban on some of those places. This is kind of hokey. It's a resolution to support, uh, to reaffirm their support and commitment to defend the rights, uh, blah, 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 of Arizona, meow, meow, meow. Uh, there's another one um, would make uh, Senate Bill 1664 would say that if you would make government entities that establish gun-free zones liable for any damages by anybody that was harmed because they were unable to defend themselves. Uh, Let's see, 1665 would reduce the penalty to a Class 3 misdemeanor for being armed in a polling place or a state or local government facility that bans firearms. Currently, it's a Class 1 misdemeanor. And that's kind of about it for now. It looks like on the 13th, which would be tomorrow, there is a couple of bills that are going to be heard in the um, in the Judiciary Committee and the Senate. One of them is civil asset forfeiture reform, which is what we need not only in Arizona but nationwide. Also, the one that I just talked about that would uh, Senate Bill 1664, the civil asset forfeiture reform is uh, 15 Senate Bill 1556, if you want to look them up. Anyway, it's the one that would say if if a government establishment makes a gun-free zone that they would be liable. 
that's never going to happen. That's not going to, they're not going to do that. Government's never going to, going to put itself on the hook. So even though this, um, even though they're throwing that thing out there, that's just not going to happen. Of the ones that I mentioned, what do I think has any chance? Oh, of the stuff that's coming through this time, maybe the reduction going down from a class one to a class three misdemeanor because it's still, you're still being able to be punished for it. So that might go through. The other stuff I don't think is going to go through. They might do the one where they say, hey, if the feds, you know, say that there's a there's a federal assault, uh, you know, they, they do a, a ban on AR-15s and AK-47, something like that, or a, or a nationwide magazine capacity reduction type thing that in Arizona that they're not going to, the government's not going to enforce it. Again, that might make it through. I doubt it because, it, uh, again, government is not going to put a lot of restrictions on itself as far as what they can do. It might, but even if it goes through, it really wouldn't have any teeth because I think if something like that happened where the feds say, okay, they got to turn them in, eh, boy, are they going to really fight that stuff? I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It seems the only reason that the government ever backs down is when the people get together and say you're not doing it and when they show up in force and armed. They show up in numbers, I should say, and armed as well. Uh, let's see here. So let's, um, I know it's a little rambly here, but I'm kind of going by the seat of my pants here. Let's uh, circle back around to what's going on in Virginia. So we see that because the Democrats have the majority in both places, that the House is lost. Uh, And what we're seeing is that the bills are going through. They're being modified a little bit. Because I think some of those peoples in those in the legislative places, although they've they've done stuff where they've redistricted so much that and they've gained so many seats that it's almost going to be impossible to vote those guys out. I mean, even though they won by narrow majorities, I think though some of those guys, some of those, uh, there are some that are saying, "Hey, look." If we, you know, I'm on board with passing this stuff. I don't give a crap one way or the other, but. In a couple of years, these they're going to vote me out. So let me oppose this because we still have enough numbers. And so what we see is that every Republican, from what I can tell so far on the bills that are coming through, is opposing it. All Democrats, except for maybe two or three, are voting for it. But they're doing it because they still have a majority. So we was, we've seen stuff like this in the past where, and both sides do it. And I've talked about this before is once, when they know they have a majority, they'll let some of their other members kind of change a vote because then they can say, hey, I, you know, I stood up for it. But they know that, you know, I oppose this bill and they know that if push comes to shove, they'll still push through all the other far left liberal kind of nonsense stuff that they want to push through. So all that stuff will still kind of go through on there. So anyway, um. That's what we're seeing, the, the main battle. There is no battle in, in the House in Virginia. The main battle is going to come through in the Senate. And again, they still have the majority in the Senate, although supposedly there are some senators 
that are saying, look, we're not going to do it. And I think some of those guys are senators that are maybe more out in the rural thing and they happen to just be Democrats. And they're like, look, I'm not, you know, we're out, we're, I'll, I'll be ousted and I don't want to lose my cushy job and my, my uh, power that I have and all the perks and benefits that I get. Make no mistake, they don't care about you being able to own a gun at all. All they care about is their own power and their own enrichment and, and increasing their spheres of influence, that type of thing. And now, correct me if I am wrong, I thought that North, I thought that governor, you only get one term. Is that right in Virginia? I don't know. So I think, I don't think Northrum really cares one way or the other. And I think probably what's happened is he is, he's probably gotten assurances from Bloomberg. Again, with that guy has so much money and so much influence that Northam will probably get some cushy position after his after he leaves, after he leaves office. So look at, um, or maybe he'll uh, he'll run for Senate for the United States Senate, and Bloomberg will back him. Maybe that's part of the thing is he'll say, oh, you know, I'll throw in a bunch of stuff if you you know if you really get behind all this stuff and just steamroll everything through. But it'll be interesting to see if if he uh, if he is limited to one term. It'll be interesting to see where he goes afterwards, and it's the same thing with uh, with our guy, with uh, Flake, with uh, Jeff Flake. I think that's his name. I've already I've already blocked him out of my mind as much as I can. What a what a giant sack of crap that guy was. And I I know I shouldn't. I generally try and stay away from calling names, but man, that guy, he was not a friend to gun owners in this state. Anyway, it will be very interesting to see where Northrum ends up. It'll be interesting to see where some of these people, if they get ousted, where they end up, if they're going to maybe be appointed to certain positions or things like that. And I I imagine if you tie it back, maybe it, it goes back to Bloomberg, you know, eventually, uh, or goes back to his influence and things like that. So, it will be very interesting to see if in the Senate, in the Virginia houses, in the, in the Senate house there, if they, um, if they knock stuff back. It looks like what they're doing already is that they are changing the language on certain things a little bit to where instead of just outright ban and uh, ban on possession of any magazine that holds more than 12 rounds, you know, why did they pick 12 as, you know, as opposed to maybe 15. Again, it's just arbitrary. And probably because they say, oh, well, one of the most popular handguns on the planet is the Glock 19. That holds 15 rounds. So let's make it less than that. Let's do three less than that. And I don't know why they didn't just say 10 rounders, like how California has. It looks like what they're going to do is maybe modify the language, and that may push over some of the the Democrats that are saying that they're going to be holdouts. Uh, if you live in Virginia, you got to be calling those people up and say, man, if you, if you guys pass this, we'll do everything in our power. We'll send every bit of extra cash that we have to your opposition. And you passed on a, you know, a razor thin, do not pass this. We do not want this. Uh, and we've seen results like that happen in Arizona where, where they do stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of stuff doesn't pass out here. But the face of politics is changing. The, the uh, people are are 
exiting California in droves, in droves. And they are coming to Arizona. They are coming to uh, to to Utah. They're going out like to Salt Lake and some of the, and, and some of the other places. And it's it's gonna change out there. People think, oh, you know, Utah's and Texas are liberal proof. Well, no, they're not. When you look in the big cities, you're seeing that they generally tend to go more liberal. Phoenix is a little bit odd in that it's it's generally more conservative out here still. A lot of really lefty liberals, if they can, they go down to Tucson because it's more of a liberal place. But what you see is, even in Phoenix, it's a battle a lot of times to maintain sort of a, and and we'll talk about this from a pro-gun standpoint, we'll say like a conservative pro-gun electric, um, or not electric, um, elected official base type thing. And it's changing a little bit. Like I said, so another thing, and I I guess I've said pretty much all I need to say about Virginia, but it's going to be interesting. But also look for Bloomberg again to change his strategy. He's going to go probably just state by state by state. Uh, and he's not going to do multiple states and everything like that. He'll just maybe do it kind of one or, one at a time and weasel his way in. So uh, again, with our upcoming political race for the United States Senate, we, it's gonna, it's going to, and I, and here's another thing. I think the Democrats sort of learned their lesson, and they, and they did it early on. They saw what happened with McSally, and they saw what happened with Cinema in that race. Cinema basically kind of was unopposed from her own party, and so she could spend all her time on name recognition, on getting out there, on staying on a consistent message. McSally had a huge kind of primary thing that she had to fight through, spent a lot of her time, you know, trying to figure out, well, what message do I need to do, all this other type of stuff. And I think I think eventually that's what cost her. Uh, And there were some other factors there, too, but that played a big a big part of it. And what we saw with the Democrats is there was two or three people that looked like they were real serious. And I think the Democratic Party said, hey, well, let's just get behind one person because we see that if we can do that and run kind of a moderate campaign, that we've got a really good shot of, of winning the election. They put all their, they uh, basically got this other guy who, um, I forget his name, but they got him to sort of step out and they're just focusing on Mark Kelly. And Mark Kelly is, I think he's... A, uh, former military, former astronaut, so they're going to play that stuff up. His wife is Gabby Gifford. She was a uh, Tucson representative. She was the one that got shot in the head. I've, I've covered all this stuff before. She recovered. You know, she didn't die, thank goodness. And, you know, I don't, just because somebody opposes me politically, I don't wish for their death. I don't celebrate and when, you know, something bad happens to them, uh, you know, that type of thing. So, and we shouldn't either. You know, we shouldn't, uh, we, we shouldn't do that, even though they're, against us on a political thing, you know, we don't pray for the death of them. Well, at least I don't. So, uh, but anyway, what he is vehemently, vehemently anti-gun. And he has some campaign commercials and I'll, if I, if I can find it, I may drop it in. I don't know if I will or not, but he has some campaign commercials where he's saying, we basically need gun control, you know, uh, and he's, he would be for, 
you know, what they call assault weapons bans. So he would be banning uh, for magazine bans. He's, you know, anything over probably 10 rounds he wants. Ultimately, I'm sure he would say, well, you don't need anything, you know. Uh, so it is, but it is going to be interesting to see McSally. They're going to say, and they've already started doing it. They're going to say, oh, she didn't get in fair and square. She lost. She was a loser. And she got appointed by the by the uh, by the governor. She couldn't, you know, make it on blah, blah, blah. And they're going to do that. But she's been in for a couple of years. Part of her problem last time is that she kind of ran as and really tied her tied herself to Trump. And I, I think I don't think she should do that. She really tied herself on the immigration stuff. Again, I think she should back away from that. I think what she should do, again, is run as sort of a, I'm going to be a moderate Republican and, and take a page out of Cinema's book to where, look, I am pro-Arizona. I'm not going to be a party stooge, but I will fight for your Second Amendment rights. I'm not going to, you know, if you get me in there, I won't let what's happening in Virginia. And this is if she was smart is what they would do. A lot of the a lot of the super left-leaning Democrats who don't own guns and wouldn't own guns, although some of them, even though they want to take it away, they still will own guns. But they don't, but because maybe they they own a revolver or they own a a smaller capacity handgun, they think that none of that stuff will ever come for them. If if that makes sense, like oh, none of these laws, I'll always be able to have what I want, and I don't carry anyway. I don't care about concealed carry. But a lot of them are very hypocritical when push comes to shove on that type of stuff. They still want to own a type of firearm, but they just don't want you to own something that they think is is scary or been told is, oh, this is, you know, a horrible thing. And and again, a lot of them, and you see it on the Republican side as well with certain issues. They just don't think through anything. They just are, are go team type stuff. So anyway... I think if McSally can kind of run that and, and can get it to where she's more relatable, I think she came across as kind of aloof a little bit. But uh, again, I think she needs to run that campaign of, I will fight for you as the citizens in Arizona. I won't let, I'll fight you know, to make sure that we don't get overburdened with taxes, that we don't, uh, again, the, the stuff that happened in Virginia where they want to take away your rights, they want to control you, they want to own you. Uh, and I think that's what she needs to do and say, look, that's what Mark Kelly, for all the stuff he says he's pro-gun, he wants to take away stuff based on appearance. And, you know, um, I think I'm kind of rambling a little bit. So I will draw the show to a close. If I can get this edited. I don't know. I, I may uh, I may drop this. I have another show that's in the can. So I don't know if... if uh, if I can get that one edited, I may drop these if I can all this week and maybe give you a couple of shows this week. Or, But with me being Slowpoke Rodriguez there, I don't know. Do you guys remember that? The Speedy Gonzalez cartoons and little Slowpoke Rodriguez, that little mouse? He was the slowest mouse in all Mexico, but he packed a gun. And then it was funny because I, I think I've told you guys before, so I'm half Hispanic. So my, my birth father, his last name was Rodriguez. And so we always... My wife and I always joke about it because I always pack a gun and I'm slow. <laughs> I walk slow, I talk slow, all that stuff. So she always, we, she, we always joke that I'm Slowpoke Rodriguez. I'm the slowest mouse in all of Mex- in all of Arizona, but I pack a gun. All right, I tell you what, uh, let me give you that contact info. I'd love to hear from you guys on this. On what do you think the current political situation? If you're an Arizona person or uh, 
maybe you've got something similar going on in your state. Is there some uh, going to be some hotly contested things? And, and out here, it, it's going to be a close race. We're going to see, uh, well, anyway, I won't go that. Let me just give you that contact info. The, uh, the uh, voicemail, area code 206-745-2731. The email, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And there you can send your uh, emails or you can send your your uh, audio recordings, whatever you want, and I will get those out for you on the show. Also, if you want to do something through Facebook, through either through Messenger or just on the listener page, on Firearms Cafe listener page, uh, go ahead and do that. And uh, I, they seem to be doing a little bit better with that. So hopefully if I see it, I'll be able to get it for you. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time. I'm not gonna get home.